The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Catherine Havesi, who is the Chief Strategy at Luminoso and Visiting Scientist at MIT. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, welcome, Catherine, and thanks for joining us. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Luminoso. Hi. So I am currently Chief Strategy Officer at Luminoso. I was one of the co-founders. And really what I'm doing here is thinking about the future, both in regards to the products that we bring to market and in regards to how the technology that we're building affects the world around us. Well, great. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. So you've obviously been in this AI world for a while, even before it got super hot. And I know that you're really focused on the whole space of natural language understanding. So we have some questions about that. But first, maybe talk a little bit about your background and your history in the space and kind of how you got into the whole natural language understanding and whole area of unstructured text. Yeah, no, I've definitely been doing it since before it was hot. I think it's a lot of fun now, and it's a really kind of an interesting experience to have so many people be talking about the things that no one wanted to talk about several years ago. So I'm very passionate about computers understanding language. I think for me, I'm really interested in how people understand language and how language works. So it's really always been an exciting thing for me to delve into this. I started formally working in this area at MIT in the late 90s when I co-founded the Open Mind Common Sensor ConceptNet project, which was the first crowdsourced project for AI. And we really wanted to grab things about the world that people knew and computers didn't. And, you know, eventually I kept working on this. And eventually over time, I came and I ran the digital intuition group at the MIT Media Lab. And at that point in time, we really wanted to talk to the companies we worked with at the lab and figure out how their business problems could be solved by all this emerging technology. And I guess that's really where my passion is, is figuring out how emerging technology and everyday business problems come together. Okay, great. So I know that natural language understanding has made some great advancements in recent years, and I know you've probably been there for all of them. So you're you know, very well respected and regarded in this space. Can you share where the industry currently is with regards to the state of the art of natural language and what challenges remain to be solved? Well, I think things have really changed over the last five, six years at this point, and certainly over the last couple of years. In the idea that we can bring these sort of modern machine learning techniques to language to really speed up some of the development processes that we have. And that really allows us to grab some of the low-hanging fruit. And thankfully, hopefully for your listeners, a lot of low-hanging fruit are the exciting things that can make a difference in business. Some of the big things right now that are happening technologically is actually, I mentioned earlier that I've done common sense for a long time. So that's one of the things that it's really exciting is now entering sort of the public sphere. There's been all kinds of talk about being able to take common sense reasoning, being able to take information that people know about the world and computers don't, and really use that to make modern machine learning more scalable. I guess the issues that a lot of people face when they try to implement NLP is that a lot of the modern machine learning techniques out of the box right now require either an army of consultants to set up or billions of labeled data points, which most enterprises don't have. So the exciting thing is that some of this new technology is really going to make a lot of this stuff more accessible. 
and that's the stuff that you know I've been working on for a really long time. And common sense is one of those things. The idea that we can take things that computers know about the world, but people don't, and put them back into these machine learning systems so that they can generalize a little bit better. You know, I think that's one of the big problems out there with these big deep learning systems is that they don't generalize something that's really good at Go is not even doesn't even have any idea how to play chess. And that's not how we work. So we want to be able to come up with a ways to allow computers to generalize. And that's really where the next set of breakthroughs is going to be. And so one of those is the common sense stuff. And we, in the academic benchmarks, we've seen real excitement around that. And this year, a little over half of the big NLP benchmarks across all of the different types of NLP, this is called Semavel, were won by people who are using a hybrid deep learning system and common sense type or knowledge graph inclusion, which is really exciting. And so basically what that means is you need much less data and you need much less compute and training time to do these things. It really makes them much more accessible. So I want to follow up with common sense because oh, sure. I know that, you know, machines do not have common sense and that's a really hard problem to solve, actually. We're working on it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. But can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Because you said that you're trying to have machines generalize. So there are really two big areas of this in research right now. And if you think about it and you look at what some people are doing with these big deep learning systems, these and then training system. The idea is we don't know how intelligence works. We don't know how people work. So we're going to put more data than God knows in one end and hopefully intelligence pops up the other end. And that's largely not working in areas like language and robotics where there's a lot of flexibility in acquiring all that data is just not really something people have. And so the idea with common sense is that if you give the computers a backbone about how the world works, which is similar to what we bring to the table, then it can start making a guess with much less data, much less information, and it can really grab that stuff and use it to learn a new domain. And so when you hear about people who are doing natural language processing with off-the-shelf models, you really end up with these sort of general models that have been sort of personalized with a couple of words from a particular domain like financial services. But they still don't generalize and they still don't specialize to something that really knows what your customers say or knows your product names or the different regulatory environments or things that you're dealing with, right? So really what you want to be able to do is use this common sense to sort of give us a backbone where we can learn a lot faster from many fewer examples. And that makes some jumps towards more human-like reasoning. And of course, in parallel to that is what's called transfer learning. You probably know transfer learning from the app on your phone where you take a picture of your dog and it makes it look like it was painted by Picasso. So those are a lot of fun. And there's tremendous applications of that all over industry right now. Being able to, once you have a good base model, being able to say, hey, can we build things more extendable, make things use less data with this kind of new technology? Yeah, I think this is really big. And we actually spent some time talking about this in that sort of like the next edge of artificial intelligence where we still need to figure things out is around this whole idea of machine reasoning, a part of which is this common sense. It's sort of obvious to humans that, you know, when you get in a car, you probably shouldn't point the car at a wall and drive yep. at full speed. But and actually, there's this wonderful you, yeah. quote from one of the founders of OpenAI that's basically talking about exactly that. And the idea is we don't have to actually run our car into the wall before we know it's a bad idea, much right. less do it millions of times. And I think that's a challenge. And I think you were going to add on to your previous conversation. We were talking about some of the challenges of natural language or at least some of the additional things. You know, one of these things is common sense, but I think you wanted to sort of dive a little deeper on, on natural language, some of the other challenges. Yeah, I think some of the other things that are happening right now is just basically, as I said, these off-the-shelf models, these end-to-end training, there's a lot of really sort of low-hanging fruit that gets you a little bit of the way there. And then I think natural language processing right now is sort of in a base where 
people really need to say, these are not going to be the techniques that get us to the next level. We're going to need to build these common sense systems. We're going to need to build cognitive models. We're going to have to do transfer learning. I think transfer learning is really going to change not just NLP, but all of deep learning for the enterprise, because I think it's just so necessary. You know, these large tech companies are the ones that have all the data. And even if we're talking about the Fortune 1000, they don't have enough data to be running the algorithm at the same level. And what's going to change the playing field is being able to do these without the same data constraints or the same compute constraints. I think that's going to be really important. Great. So switching gears to unstructured data, how do you see companies using technologies to discover and extract value in their unstructured text? data. And maybe can you provide some examples of how AI can help make sense of this unstructured data and maybe some interesting examples that you've seen and how it can help with ROI in general for these companies? Yeah, so I'm probably going to use a lot of examples from Luminoso. Luminoso basically tries to help companies get more value out of their customer or employee feedback using advanced natural language processing. So this is both to help companies make better business decisions, both around employee retention and also around building better products and services, but also making processes around customer calls a lot more efficient. And I think that's the great thing about customer service and AI is that it is a really easy place for companies to see value and understand value. I think AI works best when people don't think it's a science project. And I think customer service is a great place for people to make inroads there because it's very easy to understand, even if you aren't excited about AI, it's very easy to understand the implications you can have and sort of the ROI there. Give a couple examples. So we basically do two products. One is called Daylight. It's sort of you take a batch of data. It can be surveys, it's omni-channel, it can be chat or whatever. You put it in, you can put in some KPIs that are important to you as well, and, and it will give you insight as quickly as possible in minutes, not months, to really help you drive business. And people use that to look at customer data and employee data. And the really cool thing is that it allows people to really speed up their cycles, right? So... If you have an employee survey, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of in the last year, which is really fun and interesting, I think a great trend, is that companies are starting to realize they have to listen to their employees. Now, this might seem like common sense. It's one of those things that like Forrester and Gartner says over and over again for years. But now, both because you know tech companies have term problems with their really you know hard-to-recruit employees, but also because your employees are sort of the front of your company and... If you're in an airline or a hospitality industry, you know, when people are happy, and I know this as a customer, you're happier as a customer when your employees of the company you're using are happier. And so the idea is we work with a lot of large companies, including you know, one of the biggest retail companies that's out there in dealing with this. And their big idea is how can we take what is the annual employee survey or the quarterly employee survey and really bring that insight up into real time? And can we do that in order to help control employee churn and employee satisfaction and deal with issues as they're emerging? And what we're seeing is they can now do something that's much more like a daily survey, a pulse survey, where they get feedback very quickly from employees. They can either be daily or it can be weekly or monthly, and they can really turn out results within an hour that they can figure out how to act on. And that's really changed the game for them is being able to bring in a lot of different languages, being able to bring that. On the flip side of that, in real time, there's a lot of really fun examples. So what we do in real time is take in customer tickets and help tag them with things like, is this customer a churn risk? Are they really experienced? Which customer service or routing path in the customer complaint processing center should this customer go down? Is this somebody that product needs to be alerted to this issue? That kind of stuff. 
And we do a lot of work in the mobile ecosystem, both with people who make the devices and with people who make the things that go on the devices. And that includes mobile gaming. And for me, mobile gaming is really always the most fun stories <laughs> because they have crazy text and crazy users and crazy circumstances. And so when we work with a very large, uh, several very large mobile gaming companies, sort of how it goes for them is the first thing they want to do is say, hey, can we use the self-help channel to address this customer complaint, which is both a cost control and it's also a customer satisfaction control because people would take a long time to get their answer back and they would get frustrated. And I was just honestly on the phone with an airline last night. And I can tell you, you know, even if it's just a 15, 20 minute wait, you're like, okay, you said you were going to get right back to me. So what we are able to help them do is take about 40 to 50% of their calls and send it to a self-help channel. And that really both helps their customers get the answers they need. And also for them to be able to have their agents work on more high value problems. And beyond that, we're more accurate in getting, you know, and basically what we're doing there is looking at getting much more accurate with regards to where we're sending the ticket afterwards, which business workflow we're sending it down to. And then after we're doing that, there's this wonderful bucket that's called other. And I love the other bucket because it's usually where all the insights usually go and all the things people really want to know about go because it's what you didn't expect. And so we're able to take the stuff in their other bucket, Daylight product, to figure out which things need to be elevated to the product teams of these various games. Because when they do a rollout, problems will happen and they release games in market regions where they have time to fix these problems before everybody calls them and everybody tries it. So they'll roll it out globally, starting with places that, you know, they're going to get customer feedback, but they're not going to get mountains of customer feedback. And so it's really exciting to see them be able to take this to really say, which bugs are we going to fix that are going to cause us real ROI with regards to how many calls are coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, this is great. These are definitely great use cases. I know that a lot of companies have a lot of unstructured uh, text and data. I know people cite that you know most companies have at least 80% of their total information is in unstructured format. Some companies up to like 90 Seven, 98%. You look at insurance companies, you know, <laughs> and banks, you know, they're awash in all that sort of information. I know that they're looking to extract some value. And I think that's sort of the challenge, you know, given that technology is here, you know, what do you see as the primary challenges, you know, to actually getting many of these companies to adopt these AI machine learning approaches toward natural language understanding? You know, what do you see from your experience and from your interactions with customers as the things that are getting in the way of making this sort of ubiquitous? I think a lot of companies tend to treat AI or companies that are just starting out and think about AI as a science project, right? You do a POC with maybe an innovation team and you don't have a good plan for what happens if it works. And, you know, the world is at a place where right now it's not that, you know, you're trying AI to try AI. It's that AI is becoming part of everyday business workflows and it's becoming accessible and usable by people who are, have business degrees and who don't know that kind of stuff. And it's really important that business users don't think that AI is too complicated. And it's really important that folks who are trying to bring AI into an organization know that the best way to succeed is to have a plan for what happens when it works and to really get the buy-in and see it as, hey, I'm not buying a customer service solution with AI. I'm buying a customer service solution. I'm not buying a spreadsheet with AI. I'm buying a spreadsheet. Right. And as time goes on, AI is going to be part of the fabric of what we do. And, you know, integrating it into the way the business runs is just going to be what has to happen. And the companies we see succeeding are the companies that think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, that's definitely, I think, one of the challenges I know in our training. We do training at Cognitive 
we spend a lot of our time telling people to actually just skip the proof of concept that, you know, we know that the technology works in abstract. The idea is to actually get it work in reality. Oh, goodness, yes. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, people need to see it, need to see it work on their data. You know, I think we're seeing a lot less of that, actually. In the last year, in the States, people have started saying, oh, hey, yeah, we believe it worked. It worked for these other folks. You know, we believe it's going to work. And I see that as a real sign that, hey, this is, people are starting to adopt this. People are really starting to think about this at a high level. Great. You know, this has been a great podcast. So I want to wrap up by asking, you know, a more general question of where do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to corporations and beyond? So we have a long way to go. There are places, as I said, like customer service, where oh, there's a lot of exciting low-hanging fruit that can make ROI differences right now. And then there are really big problems, right? If we think about it, you said in the beginning, oh, common sense is really hard. It is. It's very hard. And I think being able to do the sort of thing that you would need to do anything from a real intelligent agent, not the kind that we have right now, to something that's more, you know, an assistive robotics or any of that kind of stuff, we're going to need a lot more. And that's both being able to figure out how to tie together different types of AI programs, you know, being able to have natural language grounded in the physical world. We don't have anything like that right now. We don't have any of that information. Being able to do more cognitive reasoning, right? You know, if I'm talking, again, to go back to the airline example, because it's in my head from trying to make a reservation last night, if I'm talking to a chatbot and the chatbot misunderstands me, the only thing that happens next is that everybody bows out of the conversation and we start over, right? That's not how people work. And we're going to need to really invest in much more, as you said, you know, in the beginning, I come from sort of the, the Morminsky inside of things. We're going to need to invest in cognitive models and understanding how people think and higher level reasoning. And these are all hard, hard things, right? So there's a plateau of where the low-hanging fruit at, and it's going to make a lot of value for businesses in both the short term and the long term. But if we really want to push AI forward in the long term, we have to start thinking about the hard problems. Well, that's great. Well, this is definitely something we're keeping an eye on. Uh, we know that AI is this interesting paradox because it's at the same time continues to be new technology that we are always trying to figure out how to implement. But at the same time, it's older than computing itself. AI goes back to the beginnings of computing. It's like the oldest new technology there is. So I have this feeling we'll be continuing to talk about a lot of this, which is why we're so excited oh, to yes. have folks like you on this podcast who have been involved in this, not just in the, you know, as it's been sort of hot in the recent couple of years, you've been really been involved for many, many years on, the, on all this stuff. Oh, thank you. This has yeah. been fun. Thank you. Well, really, just wanted to thank you again for joining us on this podcast. Really appreciate your participation. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. 
Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.